everyone, I'm Nicole Kozalek, and you are listening to I Believe, a podcast focused towards inspiring FFA members to be their best, do their best, and make a difference in the world around them. Welcome back to the I Believe podcast. Today I have Artha, the National Southern Region Vice President, with me on the podcast and I'm super excited for you all to hear the conversation because she is just a gem. I look up to her so much. She is so inspiring and the words she says I could just cling on to for forever. So I hope you guys feel the same way and I'm excited for you all to hear the conversation I had with Artha. Let's get right into it. Welcome to the I Believe podcast. I'm so happy you joined me today and I'm excited to hear all you have to say about your service and your FFA journey as well as your journey as a national officer. To start us off, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, Nicole, thank you so much for having me on the I Believe podcast. You know, meeting you in Minnesota just was an incredible experience and seeing how you're spreading the word of agriculture and FFA to so many people beyond your state through this platform is just really, really inspiring. So I'm glad that I can be a part of it. But just a little bit about myself. I am Artha. I am from South Florida, a tiny town entitled Okeechobee, where cows outnumber people four to one. And we have all kinds of cows. So we have great dairy production um, operations down in Okeechobee, but we also have a pretty robust beef cattle, cow calf operation um, where I'm from. And though I come from a really agriculturally rich place, I didn't really know how I fit into this landscape. My mother is a dietitian by trade and she went to the University of Florida, studied at the College of Ag and Life Sciences there, but I didn't really see that direct connection to agriculture for most of my life. And my dad has worked in law enforcement, has taught at um, our local state college in Okeechobee, Florida, has done all kinds of things. But again, I wasn't really sure how I played into our agricultural landscape. And um, it wasn't until I was in middle school and I was approached by this crazy man with a funky mustache, like the stiffest cowboy hat that you could ever imagine. And he was like, Artha, I want you to come to my portable after school and to try this thing out. And if you hate it, we never have to do it again. But if you love it, we'll build a career out of it. And Mr. Buddy Mills that day introduced me to the world of FFA and in particular, the LDE of extemporaneous public speaking. And the rest was history. I got elbows deep into all of the things that FFA has to offer. And it revealed a passion to me about our food system and inequities that exist within it and how I can be a part of the solution. So now I am a student at Harvard College where I study government and global health and health policy with long-term aspirations of going to law school and then finding myself at the intersection of health policy, agricultural policy, and um, just creating a more equitable food system in its entirety here in the U.S. Awesome. That's super cool. And I didn't realize the ratio between humans and animals, I guess I should say, um, down in your side of the world. I did not realize there's a lot of cattle down there. 
Yeah, I mean, beyond Disney World, it's quite the agricultural <laughs> place. Yeah, I guess I've only been to Disney World down in Florida, so I really can't say much. So learn something new. I love it. Um, tell us a little bit about your FFA experience. Yeah, so like I alluded to in that last question, I was just approached in the hallway and then got knee deep into all of the opportunities FFA had to offer. And at first, I'm not gonna lie, I was not the most excited FFA member as a seventh grader, since we have middle school membership in Florida. I was really interested in like the plays I needed to run at volleyball practice, going to student council. And FFA didn't really seem like my thing um, for a while, but then I attended a leadership conference in addition to all of the CDEs and LDEs that I was trying. And that's when like the light bulb kind of turned on. And I was like, wow, there are really big problems in the world. And these really big problems need people who can think critically and strategically to solve them. And I think that I could be one of those people. Um, and that's kind of why I wanted to stay engaged with it and doing extemporaneous public speaking, especially as I transitioned into the high school level, I was really intrigued with um, like food deserts and food swamps and the way that our food is distributed in the United States, human nutrition programs that are facilitated through our farm bill. All of those kinds of like really complex nebulous issues became super enticing to me and having a space in FFA to really investigate and dive deep into these topics that I'm sure many people are just unaware of um, when they're 13, 14, 15 years old, it just made me feel like I was doing something worthwhile. And um, that's why I decided that, you know, I wanna go to law school because let's look at how much money um, is in the farm bill, how much money is allocated to um, nutrition programs like WIC, like SNAP, um, and look at still how many people go hungry in the United States. Like, these numbers aren't making sense. Thinking about how much we put into our food system, how hard our producers work to give us this robust, safe food supply, and folks are still going hungry. There's got to be a better way than what we are currently doing to solve these issues. So that's kind of where I found my niche within FFA. And when I think about what keeps me going and why I still wear a blue jacket, even though I am 21 years old and graduated high school three years ago this past week, um, it's because we get to solve problems. And these problems affect every single person who encompass not only the United States, but even beyond. So I keep wearing a blue jacket and I keep wanting to learn about our food system, about the people who may not have access to food in the way that I've always been blessed to have access to food, um, to ensure that they get to enjoy the liberties of a healthy, affordable food supply as well. Awesome. And what drove you to seek national office at that kind of, I guess, towards your end of your FFA journey? Right. Yeah. National office. Um, just for context for the listeners, um, I ran for national office the year after I retired from state office. So I served as um, the Florida FFA state president in 2018-2019. And that 2019-2020 year, I just went straight to college and I got to be in Harvard and Boston and kind of dive deeper into my academic interest in that time. And then during the pandemic is when I ran, made the decision to run for national office. 
So I spent some time away from the blue jacket and it was in the middle of a pandemic and I made this really monumental decision, but it came to me while I was sitting in my living room in Okeechobee, Florida. The world is basically on fire because of this little virus <laughs> named COVID-19. And I was just watching some reruns of the Australian Open. And I am a huge tennis fan, but in particular, I am a huge Serena Williams fan. So I'm watching the Australian Open and I'm watching Serena just dominate. I'm pretty sure it was the 2007 Open. And she is just so vibrant. She's so strong. She's so dominant on the court. She just walked with such grace and strength. And I admired her so much. And I remembered, though I was watching the reruns, I remembered what it was like watching that live in 2007 when I was seven years old, a little tiny nugget with my family. And I remember watching her dominate and winning that tournament and looking over to my dad and saying, dad, I want to play tennis. Like I asked for my first tennis racket while watching her play that game. So when we fast forward all of those years later in 2020, and I'm watching her play again, I was like, wow, what if I can be somebody Serena Williams in agriculture, in FFA? What if me being who I am, being strong and powerful and gracing the metaphorical court that is our FFA world with the strength and the class that Serena Williams does. And because of my presence, they decide to put on a blue corduroy jacket. They decide to pursue a career in agriculture. And when I had that thought, as I was watching the reruns, I realized that national office was the way for me to become someone Serena Williams, to inspire students that even though you may not see yourself traditionally represented within the agricultural landscape or an FFA, you still have a very valid place within our organization. You have a valid place within agriculture. And not only is that place valid, but we need you. We need diverse perspectives. We need people who don't see themselves in normal circumstances in agriculture to be a part of our organization, because that's when we get comprehensive solutions. That's when we get to see everyone touched in the way that best um, affects their life when we have all those kinds of people in the arena putting in their two cents. So I ran for national office in short to become someone Serena Williams, but also to change the narrative as to who is involved in agriculture and who needs to be involved because the answer to those questions are everyone. And I hope that I'm just a little sprinkle of the diversity and the richness that comes from um, having a diverse experience in the agricultural sector. That is awesome. And I know with state office and with all of the conversations our Minnesota state officers have been having is how can we show everyone that everyone is welcome. And I love that that's a little bit of your focus and a little bit of your reason why. Um, that's awesome. When you are done with your year of service, what do you want FFA members to remember about you during your year of service? Uh, well, I can't lie, Nicole, like I really haven't thought too much of after October and it's kind of crazy to think that I'll be done um, and I'll be like really done um, after I retire from national office. But I really hope that students remember me as someone who really wanted to come in full force and super authentically. 
like they can't see me, but I'm like wearing a cheetah print dress right now. And I've got like my blue light glasses and my hoop earrings. And I am just as competent and as needed in agriculture as someone who dresses completely differently than I do or looks completely differently than I do. So I hope they remember me as like an embodiment of authenticity and then someone who pursued excellence in their endeavors. And, you know, we have been given this very odd and atypical set of cards as national officers this year, having to navigate in a lot of ways, just a hybrid year. Some of our workshops are on Zoom, some of them are in person, some conventions are in person, some are virtual. And even though we've had many different platforms and different ways of living out our mission and vision, I hope that they remember that I did my very best in every one of those engagements and that I gave my all, that I showed up fully and that they got the best that I could offer for 365 days. Awesome. That's amazing. And I, I just want to point out for everybody that, yes, she has a cheetah print dress on and is all stylish. And I'm over here in an FFA t-shirt that um, I just <laughs> was having that day. It's an FFA t-shirt kind of a day. I have that so. same t-shirt, by the way. So <laughs> really? I think it's quite stylish. Yes. And the hunter green and everything. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> Thank you then. Uh, well, what has been your, or what is the most important piece of advice you'd give a green hand in FFA today? Oof. Well, I think I would just say like buckle up because as a green hand, you like get your feet wet and you know the creed and you're learning the code of ethics and all of these things. But then you're like, so what now? I would prepare them for the what now part of the FFA. Once you understand like what we stand for, our mission, our vision, the real magic comes into fruition when we start to do something with all of those things. When we realize that we're making a positive difference in the lives of students through ag ed, like that is kind of awesome. And there are 700, over 700,000 people across the US and Puerto Rico who get to enjoy that. And it's only because they make the intentional decision to tap into all of those things that we learn as a green hand. So I would give them the advice of dive in head first. There are going to be so many things that you'll be able to get your feet in, feet wet in, and you're going to find some things that do not stick. Like I remember doing dairy judging and I stuck with it for a while, but I realized that that was not my niche. Like I was not supposed to wear that blue jacket to only compete in dairy evaluation. So when I got into LDEs and I learned about parliamentary law and all of these kinds of other things, I realized that was where I was meant to blossom. And we won't know what we're meant to blossom in and what garden we are to bloom in if we don't try a lot of different types of events and different endeavors. So I'd encourage us to just try a bunch of things and then find that thing that speaks to you. And once you find that thing, water that passion, cultivate your purpose so that you can enjoy your years in FFA. And you know, I am meant to be on this earth. My role in agriculture is XYZ. And that was revealed to me through um, this CBE or this workshop or anything to that effect. So our green hands, you got a big, big, big garden ahead of you. Pick your flowers wisely and then continue to um, pursue your passions in those endeavors. Awesome. I love that analogy. I can just picture it right now because I definitely look back and I'm like, yep, there were many different opinions and options I could go with and you just kind of figure out what you like. Exactly. 
what was or what has been your most valuable activity you've done in FFA personally? Uh, for me, it had to have happened in my state officer year. And I got to go to South Africa for the International Leadership Seminar for State Officers. And we got to visit an agricultural school in South Africa. And one, they had some really cool operations. They had like ag tech stuff where there was lots of welding and like technologically savvy things happening. And of course, all of it was way over my head because like I read books and study Robert's Rules of Order. So I was like, oh, this is really great. And then there was greenhouses, all kinds of like ornamental horticulture happening. Just a lot of different forms of agriculture happening at this ag school. But while I was there, we got to meet their students and they were just enthralled, A, with the fact that so many Americans were at their school and B, by the opportunities that we have in the U.S. as FFA members. And for me, that was a really surreal moment. And it made me recognize my privilege as someone who is an American, as someone who's gotten to serve as a state officer, that people across the nation or across the world rather, look at the opportunities that we have and they long for them in such a strong and intimate way. And that it would be remiss of all of us if we didn't take advantage of these opportunities because there's literally someone salivating halfway across the world for an inch, for a crumb of what we get to do here. So it made me think, especially because that happened in the halfway part point of my state officer year, like how can I make sure these next six months are worth every single hour, are worth the blood, sweat and tears and the sacrifices that um, other people have made in order for us to enjoy the organization we do now. So going to South Africa, hearing their stories, hearing how much they long to be a part of something that we have access to made, was a huge wake up call and made me want to become a better agriculturalist. Wow, for sure. That seems like a kind of a perspective change in a way that you just, your eyes were opened enough to be like, I'm really gonna enjoy this now and really take that um, every moment that I can. Yeah. What do you wish you would have done as a chapter member that you didn't get to do? Um, oh, definitely WLC. Everyone that I've talked to has only said the best things about WLC. And I'm like the redheaded stepchild who didn't go to WLC, who isn't still connected to their small group and their small group leader. And I am telling you, I get quite jealous. I get that FOMO and I'm like, I wish that I could have went to DC, been immersed in this idea of service leadership and having these leader, um, living to serve plans that I got to implement in my community. Like I just have never met someone who went to WLC and hasn't been changed for the better. So I so wish that I got that opportunity as a member. Yeah, I'm gonna be on that same side of <laughs> you should have gone to WLC. <laughs> that was by far my favorite um, camp. And I've, I've said it on this podcast before because none of my teammates went to WLC because it got canceled when they were planning to go. Uh, and so I'm kind of, I'm the older one on the team. So everyone, I was able to do it before COVID <laughs> hit. And I just, I always rave over it. And they're like, Nicole, you can't do that. Like I wasn't <laughs> able to go. I wish I would have, but it's really cool to keep up with people from across the across the country because I saw one of my like best friends at the camp he just got state secretary in another state and I was like oh my gosh we're basically serving together so 
And I mean, you're like, so not the only one who has that super cool experience. So many people are like, oh my gosh, my whole small group, we're state officers now. And I'm like, well, look at that. I guess I'll never have this experience, but it's so awesome that you get to have relationships. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So if I could grant you an FFA do-over wish, which I wish I could, but I can't. So we'll pretend. What is one thing you would do differently or you do again like exactly the same. You could take this two very different ways. <laughs> Differently or just over again to relive relive it? I think I would do over the national officer selection process. Not because I'd change the outcome in any way, but I think that was just a week in which I had to intensely think about who I am, what I stand for, why I'm the perfect person for this role. And I don't like to think about myself in that intimate of a way for so, such a long period of time. But the challenge that I faced in that week has made me better equipped to be the leader, the young woman, the agriculturalist that this world needs after I take off this blue jacket in October. So I think if I had the chance to just think again about my purpose and the intentionality it takes to serve in this capacity, I would get to just experience that level of transformation again. And I don't know, there's something really enlightening and cool about learning so much about yourself and why you're meant to walk on this earth. That is, it just gives me chills even now that I think about it eight months later. So I would do that again, for sure. Awesome. That's not something I was expecting, but (laughs) it's definitely a growth moment. So I can see how that would help you for the future. Right, absolutely. In preparation for this podcast, I asked you what you had been focusing on during your national officer year, and you mentioned talking about um, caring deeply about showing up fully and making space for others to show up fully as well. Tell me what you mean by that, showing up fully. Yeah, Um, for me, when I think of what it means to show up fully, For me, that's bringing all of these different dimensions of our personality, of our existence, of our identity to the table. And because we all have such specific and distinct lived experiences, like our thoughts, our our emotions, our desires are reflected through those experiences. And I know I speak for myself when I say that sometimes I want to cover up parts of my identity or who I am in order to like uh, fit in or to move a conversation in a direction that everyone else wants it to go in. However, when we don't show up fully and we forget a part of ourselves at home before an FFA meeting, before a contest, before a podcast on the I Believe podcast, (laughs) and we like do ourselves and do the world a disservice. I think when you bring in all of your past experiences, your socioeconomic status, the experiences you have depending on your gender, your race, um, who you love, what you believe, all of those kinds of things make you a more complete person. And your existence is very complete as it is. And as you contribute to conversations, as we look to impacting the lives of all 7.5 billion people who occupy this earth, it takes having those really diverse perspectives. So I want people to show up fully. And if showing up fully is in this cheetah print dress, like that's how you ought to show up in our space. But it's also super important for me that we do our part to ensure that other people feel comfortable bringing every part of their existence to our spaces too. 
So little things about asking how they are, like small things, how was your day? And then bigger things, like tell me a little bit about your past story, your life, your family life. What does your home life look like? And some of those things are super deeply intimate and personal. And not everyone's going to be ready to share those things and nor is that our expectation. But we don't want people to think that they can't be an FFA because of those things. So asking questions, small things, maybe having our pronouns in our name on social media, on Zoom calls, just little ways to make space for other people to think, oh, yeah, I can share this part of who I am too, because this is formative to the work that we do and the person that I am. So as a national officer in this role, I want to show up fully. I want to put aside all of the things that I think a regular national officer, officer should do or what the best national officer to do. And I just want to be me in this role. And as I am me, I hope I make space for other people to be who they are in their chapters and their state associations. And long after we all take off these blue jackets and become productive members of society too. Awesome. That is great. And kind of, I think I was reflecting on like, Ooh, how can I show up fully and how can I have others show up fully around me? And I hope, um, others listening get to kind of experience that reflective point in this um, episode as well. As a national officer, what have you been up to? I know you came to Minnesota and you got to run around with all of our past state officers, I guess they are now. Um, what else have you been up to? Yeah, so we are right in the tail end of convention season. So I've gotten to go to Minnesota, of course, which was absolutely fabulous. Um, I've also been to Montana, Louisiana, Kentucky, I'm New Jersey, and I was a part of virtual conventions in Ohio and Connecticut. And I also went to my home state of Florida a few weeks ago. And I'll go to Texas next week. And that is a wrap on the 2021 convention season, which is crazy. Like, how did we already get to July? And we're about to start a new school year and convention, national convention prep right around the corner, absolutely beyond me. So as we go to conventions, we engage in a plethora of ways, whether that's workshops, keynotes, key shops, which are like a mashup between workshops and keynotes, um, sponsors visits, dinners with our stars, all those kinds of things. And it's cool because for our teammates, they, for my team rather, this is our first time that we get to engage with members. Like as we've taken the necessary precautions with the COVID-19 pandemic at hand, we've had a very different year and a very virtual heavy year prior to convention season. So the first time we engaged with members have been at these conventions. And oh my goodness, how my heart is so full and how my cup overflows because of the stories that I've heard on the road and being able to share what has been a difficult and challenging year with all of you. I mean, I just could not have left convention season with a more complete and full heart. And aside from conventions, it's have been absolutely incredible. We've also been preparing for our state officer summit. That'll happen at the end of July in Washington, DC for some and virtually for others and making sure that our curricula is fully developed, that we're facilitating in a way that's digestible for um, those of us who will be joining us virtually and in person has been difficult and challenging in some ways because there's a lot of collaboration that's needed, but we're also all six of us scattered across the United States. So finding intentional time to make sure that we're giving our state officers the content 
and delivery that they deserve has been challenging, but absolutely worthwhile to have that kind of development. And then once we take our summit hats off in July, we will be full throttle, go into October and national convention prep. So I'm really, really excited. And in fact, my teammates and I two days ago or three days ago celebrated our eight month anniversary as national officers. So we are two thirds of the way done with our year of service, which is fake. Like time is fake. This is fake. Um, Now we just have these final four months to continue to make a difference in the lives of our members and our stakeholders and advisors. And we're really excited to do that kind of work. That is crazy. I didn't realize you were already eight months into it. It feels like two months ago that you were elected. So and I yeah. feel that because I remember watching you guys get elected. <laughs> Absolutely. What has been the most challenging part of your year? Um, I think as we've gotten to travel more, what's been particularly challenging for me is being away from my teammates. We moved together in Indianapolis on January 6th of 2021. And for like the first three months of our time here, we spent like every waking moment together. So we definitely got very, very close as a unit. And now that we're scattered across the globe, I find myself longing for those like conversations that I'd have with a teammate, like either in passing when we're at the FFA center or in our living room at night. And like just having this new sense of independence that I didn't need to have um, at the beginning of my year of service has been challenging. And then another part that's a little more personal that's been challenging has been facing imposter syndrome. And for our listeners who aren't too familiar with what imposter syndrome is, essentially, there are some times that as a national officer, I feel like I'm faking it. And like everyone knows that I'm faking it. And there's just a matter of time until someone's like, haha, caught you. And like, I'm supposed to take off this blue jacket, because I just don't feel like I'm supposed to be in this space. And And imposter syndrome takes many different shapes, sizes, and forms for the person who's experiencing it. And for me, sometimes I'm like, there's just no way that I'm supposed to be the person who gives a keynote that changes a student's life or that I'm supposed to give this workshop because I'm just little old 5'3 Artha from Okeechobee, Florida. And there's just no way that I'm supposed to have this role. And combating that like internal dialogue of I'm not worthy to serve these members because they deserve the world and knowing that I was selected to serve in this capacity for a very real and valid reason has been very difficult to navigate at times but I know that when I do things like showing up fully I'm like kicking imposter syndrome in its face and I get to still be that person that members need because a nominating committee of nine thought that I was worthy of this role. And that in itself should allow me to find the confidence and the humility to keep doing the good work, even though it's hard. Awesome. Well, I can tell, I can tell you confidently that I look up to you a lot and talking to you in person helped (laughs) all of it. So I do, I can tell you're working to come fully and even to this podcast, you've came fully. So that's just a little, a little bit. <laughs> I, <laughs> I really, can't speak for everyone, but. <laughs> I super appreciate that. And what has been the most fun thing you've done this year? <laughs> I will say definitely just experiencing different cultures. And it's like, well, you've like only been in the U.S., but if you've been like 
beyond your own state, you know that different states have their own culture entirely. And it's been really cool, even in these few months that we've gotten to travel to experience the different culture. Like the Midwest is a land of its own. That's all I can say about it. It is built different. The folks are built different. And I absolutely love it. Like I don't say that to take away from the Midwest, but it's so particular and it's so, so cool. Like when I was in Minnesota, we went to the Spam Museum and I was like, you know, if you would have asked me a year ago today what I think I'd be doing, saying that I'd be touring the Spam Museum in Austin, Minnesota is just not what I would have picked out for me. But it's cool because like, it's just like part of the gig and getting to immerse yourself in this place that so many people call home and you get to experience for the first time. And I went to Louisiana a few weeks ago and that culture is completely different. And, you know, I'm from Florida, I'm from the South. I was like, oh, I'm ready for this. Louisiana culture is completely different from Florida Southern culture. And it was awesome to experience like their Cajun roots and the Creole that happens, like absolutely incredible. And I've been to Kentucky, been to Montana and like, they're all so distinct. And it's so cool that people open up their doors, their hearts, their minds to giving me a piece of the culture they experience every day. And all of those places are etched so deeply into my heart because they shared who they are and what they experience with me. And it's just a great time being able to experience other people's normal, even if it's for three to four days at a time. That is awesome. I feel like that would be very eye-opening, like, oh, this is your normal. Okay, cool. (laughs) Absolutely. All right. Well, in the last few minutes of this podcast, I will leave it open to you just a little bit. What do you want to leave the members with that we have not covered yet? Ah, well, this is like such a loaded question, I feel like. Um, It could go any direction, really. (laughs) Direction. And first, I would say, like, make a friend, make an unlikely friend really weird, really random. But when I think about some of the best relationships that I have in this life, it's from someone that I never would have picked for myself to have grown close to. And I think of Paxton on my national officer team. And it's not because like I have anything against Paxton. I was just like, we're quite different. And like, I don't know if we met like in high school, if we would have been besties. But Paxton is definitely one of my besties this year. And we talk every single day. And it's so funny when he's on home time and he's showing me like what's happening in Nevada, Missouri, and I'm on home time and I'm showing him what's happening in Okeechobee, Florida. And just like the unlikely closeness of our friendship has been so, so rewarding and so fruitful. And just being able to learn someone that deeply and intimately, like it's awesome. So make it unlikely friend, even if they are weird, like Paxton Dahmer, like you will just enjoy who they are. And you'll enjoy what you learn about yourself in those kinds of relationships. But on a more serious note, I think I just want to leave members with this um, notion of showing up fully and just being authentically them in every single situation. I mentioned earlier that I think it's a disservice when we conceal parts of our identity to fit in. And I don't think we were meant to fit in. I think we were born to stand out and to be the person that we are being open to changing who we are to become better versions of ourselves, but also being consistent and steadfast enough to knowing that there are certain parts of our identity that will be constant no matter what phase of our life that we're in. And being able to balance those two things 
and to use those two things to catapult how you show up in places makes all the difference. And I think there, there are many ways to make a difference in this world, positive or negative, but to cultivate and wield positive change starts with showing up fully and being an authentic human being. So whatever that looks like for any of the members, any of the advisors, any of the stakeholders listening, um, I encourage us to dive deep and figure out what that looks like for each and every one of us. Um, it may not be cheetah print dresses and hoop earrings, and that's completely fine, but there are ways for us to show up fully and completely. And as we do those kinds of things, we encourage other people to do the same. And my goal, my hope for the future is that everyone brings all of who they are to FFA, because when we get to see that, not only will we see exponential growth in membership, we'll also see exponential growth in impact and the difference that we make in the lives of students and adults, young and old. So let's just show up fully, be the best versions of ourselves and continue to do the good work. Awesome, I love that. And I don't know if you've listened to any of the podcasts, but I will end every podcast by asking the guests what they believe in today. So since the podcast is called, I believe, what do you believe in today? Uh, for me, I really was so close to saying like, I believe in the future of agriculture because I do. And you know, that's our creed and that's what we've been living this year. <laughs> and it also just feels right as we approach um, 4th of July, as we're having this conversation, it just feels right to say that, but I think I'm going to just dial it back and make it a little more general and say, I believe in people and I believe in our humanity. I believe that at the end of the day, we're going to make decisions to validate and make every person feel loved and welcome and supported. And I believe that that happens one by teaching empathy within our blue jackets and beyond and by um, showing that empathy to other people. I, we get so caught up in being productive and making impacts and crossing off our to-do list. And sometimes we forget the real magic of this world are the people and being able to connect deeply and to speak authentically with them and to connect in genuine ways. So I believe in people and I believe in our ability to make sure that everyone finds their space in this world. They find their space in agriculture, they find their space in FFA, but they find their space just as a human being. And I hope that I can do my part to cultivate and to push that belief forward. But more importantly, I believe that all of us have the ability to do that as well. So in short, I believe in people. Oh, I love that. <laughs> well, thank you, Artha, for coming on the podcast today. It has been an absolute joy. I'm actually, my cheeks are getting sore, so it's a good thing this podcast is getting <laughs> slightly over because I've just been smiling the whole time. So thank you for your insight. And I know all the listeners are going to enjoy it and probably be smiling as much as I have been. So thank you. <laughs> oh, I have so enjoyed our time together here. And I just hope that I can impact them just a tiny bit as much as they've impacted me over this past year. And again, I just want to applaud you in my like final seconds um, in this podcast for continuing to do this great work. Like you're a state officer. I know you have a lot on your plate, but spreading agriculture and our beliefs is something that is worthwhile. And I'm so glad that you're continuing to do that really important work. So you rock. And I'm just glad that I got to be a part of this conversation today. <laughs> thank you <laughs> thank you for listening today 
I believe that together we can make a difference in our world. Go out with passion, dedication, and a willingness to do everything you can to help our world.